Welcome back to the Euctropolis Podcast. I'm your host, James Hill. It's great to be back. I took a little break for a Christmas tour and the release of a Christmas album, but I'm back now to the podcast and I'm excited to release new episodes in the coming weeks. So it's January and January is a great time for ukulele. So many people are coming to it for the first time, having received one for uh, Christmas or a birthday or just taking it up as a New Year's resolution. I don't know about you, but I can't help but look ahead and wonder what the next 12 months is going to bring. For myself, I'm really hoping that I can do more with my uh, community ukulele playing. This has been really exciting for me in the last uh, few months, especially with the UKEDS project. By the way, the UKEDS album is coming out February 16th, so keep your ears open for that one. But more generally, the idea of building global community through music is something that I'm really excited about and that I hope will be a theme for this year. If you haven't already joined the free uh, ukulele orchestra that I'm running, it's called Uku Loudly. We have over 900 members in that orchestra already, and we have our next rehearsal coming up on January 19th. You're invited, and it's free. It's free to be in this band, and we all get to play together, to rehearse together, and to be on a recording together. So, you're welcome to join. If you go to www.ukuloudly.com, you can sign up for free and join the next rehearsal. It's just around the corner. So, in this episode, I'm going to dive into a student question. This one's from Frank, who's working on the ukulele way. He has an interesting question about fingering that I think applies to everyone because we're all trying to make the ukulele sing and fretting hand fingerings are a big part of that. So I'm gonna show you one very simple strategy that you can use in your own practice as you plan your moves on the fretboard. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode, which I'm calling Walking Backwards. Let's get right to it. As you know, if you've been here before, um, in this um, live session, I mostly focus on questions that have come in from students at Euctropolis. And if we have time, I'll take questions from the chat. We're going to start with a question from Frank, who is a student of the Ukulele Way. And Frank is working on the lesson where he's, he's learning Carnival of Venice. And that's a whole solo arrangement. And of course, solo arranging, for those of you who don't know yet, that's where you play all the parts simultaneously. The rhythms, but also the melody. And you somehow find a way to squeeze the chords in as well. It's playing all the parts simultaneously. Some people call that chord melody. I think the more general term is solo ukulele, meaning you could just get up on stage solo with no one else and have it sound 
uh, like the full the the full sound that the the audience expects: melody, harmony, and rhythm. You have all three ingredients, and they all happen on one ukulele. As you can imagine, it's kind of a juggling act to make that happen, and that is what the ukulele way is all about. Uh, it's how to make that juggling act seamless and like a magic trick, make the impossible happen. How can you juggle three parts uh, on one ukulele with just four strings? You know, how does that happen? Well, it's tricky. That's why the ukulele way exists. I'll give you the very short version, and this leads into Frank's question. There are only really two ways that you can accomplish this magic trick. The magic trick of playing the chords and the melodies simultaneously. There are only two ways to do it. You either put the chords in between the melody notes, like this. Pick, strum, pick, strum, pick, strum, pick, strum. And that's, in this method, what we call um, interlaced arranging, because we're weaving together the melody and then the chord. That is way number one, that you can make this magic trick happen. There is only one other way that it could possibly go, and that is where you play the melody note and the chord at the same time, like... That's the only other possibility, (laughs) and that is a technique we call synchronous arranging, meaning that the melody note and the chord are happening simultaneously. And that's a whole other set of skills and concepts. But between these two approaches, interlaced arranging and synchronous arranging, that's it. Really, that's it. Those are the only two possibilities uh, for making this musical magic trick happen. And so Frank is working on a section of the method where there are two versions of the same song, right side by side. One of them is interlaced and one of them is synchronous. And uh, so he's working on the interlaced version where he's looking for gaps in the melody. Uh, What's the melody? You see how the melody does have holes in it, right? Gap, gap, big gap, 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 big gap. <laughs> and and it's in those gaps that I'm going to fill with a chord. And the, the audience's brain is going to kind of take those ingredients, and even though they're side by side, the audience is going to kind of blend those together and say, oh yeah, there's a chord happening. Now, even though I'm only ever doing one thing at a time, when I run them together like that, nice and smoothly, the effect is pretty convincing. You know, it sounds like, oh yeah, you're playing melody and harmony and rhythm at the same time. So that's the one that Frank is working on. And he has specifically a question about fingering. Now, fingering is the sort of art and science of which fingers to use on which notes. This is a topic that comes up all the time. I mean, it's 
it's hard enough that you're trying to juggle all the elements of music at the same time with only four strings, but then you've got four fingers that are sort of tripping over themselves uh, to get into the next position, whether that's a chord or a note. How do you keep your fingers from either tripping over one another or from not being enough? I mean, what happens when you run out of fingers? If I have four notes in in a scale, that's fine. But what if the music continues? Well, I could just hunt and peck with one finger. But that's not a very good fingering because it doesn't sound smooth. So, you know, Frank's getting into all these questions of what happens if I run out of fingers and how do I make it sound smooth? And this is something that many, many people uh, deal with all the time. I mean, I'm dealing with this all the time. I just recently performed a, a Vivaldi concerto that was written for... Uh, lute, and I performed it on the ukulele uh, with a symphony orchestra. It was thrilling, really. Um, But there were a lot of moments where I had to very carefully choose the fingering so that the music would sing out of the ukulele and, and not sound all broken up in pieces. And this sort of um, broken line... I think, based on all my interactions with um, students, you know, over the years and and all over the world, this um, broken melody is the single biggest challenge uh, in the ukulele world. I think this is. I'm going to throw in and say, if I had to choose one thing that you know torments people (laughs) across the board, it's legato the art of playing smoothly from one note to another so that it doesn't sound chopped up. How do we get the notes to touch one another and make it sound almost like a like an oboe or a French horn or an instrument that, that has the breath flowing through it, even though we only have a string? How do we make those notes sound like one melts into the other? Very difficult. And oftentimes... It comes down to your choice of fingering. So here's Frank's example. He has this section uh, which, which goes, you've probably heard this before. That long run down the neck. He's saying, what do I do there? <laughs> How do I make sure that when I get to the very bottom of that long ladder, uh, that I'm in a position to play the next chord? I mean, I could start on the pinky finger. Then I kind of run out of fingers and I need to scooch down. But now I'm not in a good position to play the G7 chord. I have to kind of swap one finger out of the way. Oh, okay, that doesn't work. I could start on the ring finger and then jump to the pinky finger. No, that doesn't work. I could start on the index finger. Maybe that. Well, now, now I just, I've checkmated myself right off the bat. Can you see the, the thought process and sometimes the frustration that goes into finding these pathways? Um, 
this is what Frank is dealing with. And he's saying, how do I make sure that I've got the right fingering? And I haven't answered Frank yet. Uh, so Frank, this is for you. Because I was sort of just mulling this over. I wanted to give you the uh, a helpful answer. Um, my son has been really into maze books. He'll go through and he'll do these mazes and flip the next page and there's another maze and another maze and there's an entire book full of mazes. And um, one thing he's learned how to do very quickly <laughs> is what I learned how to do as a kid, which is if you want to solve the maze, start at the end and work backwards. Sometimes that's a lot easier than starting at the start and working to the end. And when you have a fingering challenge, something for the left hand that's really perplexing you, my suggestion, not just for Frank, but for everyone, is work from the end back to the beginning. In this case, I know I want to finish on the G7 chord. That would be the end of my little riddle, right? So I want to end there. So let me start my planning from that position to make sure that that's exactly where I end up. And I'm going to play, I'm going to play this whole thing backwards. It would, the melody backwards sounds like this. Now that, <laughs> you have to sort of get used to hearing these mirrored melodies, but it's also good for your brain. If I read that now backwards, somehow, if I start from where I want to be on this G7 chord in my usual garden variety fingering, I know that if I want to end there, the note right before it is probably going to be a ring finger on the note C because that's the only way that I can slide easily down into the G7 position. And so one of my decisions has been made for me right away. Um, I kind of like that. And then from there, I would figure out that, well, I have a repeated C, so why don't I go to my first finger, and then I have one, two, three, and then I have another repeated note on the uh, E. Well, so why don't I swap to my index finger there? And I work all the way back to the beginning, the very first note. And by doing that, I see that I've arrived at the beginning on my ring finger. And so if I run that in the, you know, forward play, <laughs> I'm thinking of like, the days of the VCR. Now run it. Now run it forward. Uh, I start on my ring finger. And I see that it, it breaks down into a chunk of three notes. Another chunk of three notes. And then the last two. I didn't really see that structure until I ran it backwards starting from where I wanted to end up. All I knew was that I wanted to end up in my usual fingering on the G7 chord. So go with what you know. Start with what you know. If you know where you want to end up, start there 
and just like the maze, work backwards from that point. And a lot of those decisions will become clearer. If you just run it in, in forward motion, uh, it's hard to see ahead. It's hard to um, look ahead and see where the potholes are going to be in the road, isn't it? It's very hard to do that. Now, I'm not suggesting that uh, everybody should start you know, driving in reverse. <laughs> but on the fretboard, it does make some sense. When you have a little sort of um, musical conundrum like this that you're having trouble with, just flip it around. And I bet you, at least part of the time, this strategy is going to make things much more clear and you'll be able to move beyond it. As opposed to running it forwards when you're just kind of guessing. Is that, well, I hope this fingering works out. Oh, uh, well, I hope this fingering works out. Much more trial and error. If you want to, um, if you want a strategy that can actually unpick this knot for you, I would try starting at the end and working back. Frank, that is my advice, and I hope that it helps uh, not just you, but anyone listening and anyone um, working on a little fingering uh, you know, puzzle of their own. So thanks for the question, Frank, and uh, good luck with Carnival of Venice. Oh, just look at the chat real quick. Um, let's see. Martin, Martin has a good question here, which is, why not continue the melody from the A string onto the E string in that example? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that same thing too, Martin. Um, why not go cross string with it? The, the only reason is that that puts me in a place where I can't easily reach the G7 chord. It's now you know, seven frets away from where I am. And I really wanted the full sound of the G7 chord. Even if I were to play a G chord up there, I to make the melody come out strong, I would have to not play the A string, and that leaves me with only two other strings to fill out this four-note chord. So it sounds a little bit thin compared to the full thing down in the in the usual place. Kind of pretty in its own way. So you could make a judgment call as to you know whether you want to do it that way. Uh, but that was my reason. I wanted to keep it all on one string. The other thing about keeping a melody on one string is that you maintain the same tone, um, and that helps the line to feel continuous. When you change strings, you can't help but um, have a slight change in, in the timbre and the tone of the thing. That's getting very picky, but again, it's another one of those reasons why I didn't want to go over to the E string. Um, but Again, it's totally up to you. That's the beauty of interpreting these pieces. And that's a really good um, suggestion and another thing to explore. Thank you, Martin. Thanks again for tuning in to the Euctropolis podcast. I'll be back again next week with a new episode. In the meantime, go and sign up for Uku Loudly if you haven't done it already. Over 900 members in this global ukulele orchestra ukuloudly.com gets you in for free our next rehearsal is january 19th and you're invited to join us at that rehearsal i will premiere a brand new arrangement of a top secret song i'm not going to tell you what it is 
and then you will learn your part. You go away, you will record it, maybe on your phone or on your laptop. You send me the recording, and I mix all these recordings together, and we end up with something really special. That's Ukuloudly. I'll see you there. <laughs>